Hello everybody, this is Ann Wendorf again, and I welcome you actually to week seven, the, the last in the, uh, this class, and I, I bet you guys are weary, weary from so many uh, levels, uh, weary from what's going on in the world around us, weary from the coursework, uh, if you're taking more than one um, class this semester, weary from uh, managing multiple um, uh, deadlines and, and tests and exams and papers, uh, raising kids at home and their school age, uh, weary from being the homeschool teacher, uh, weary from being pulled in multiple directions uh, as a nurse uh, in this uh, never-before-seen time of pandemic. Uh, but we're at the end, guys. We're almost here. We're almost here for the end of this class. Uh, as always, I remain in awe of the amount of uh, work that you guys have been able to accomplish, the quality of work that you guys have been able to accomplish, uh, and it gives me a warm spot in my heart uh, knowing that uh, our future uh, as APNs is clearly in good hands. Uh, this will be a short-ish uh, podcast today uh, because it's the last one. Um, normally in the in-person class, I bring in some posters, uh, presentations, and we'll try to get um, guest speakers in to talk a little bit about the roles uh, of the APN and how they actually have uh, implemented their different strategies uh, we talk a bit about the full practice authority. We talk about LACE, that licensure, accreditation, certification, and education all lining up. And uh, it's going to be a little different today uh, because we don't have that physical in-space uh, ability to discuss. But I do want to touch on a couple of things today. One is uh, credentialing. Uh, one, uh, The other would be the uh, advanced practice nurse as a uh, consultant, mentor, and coach. Um, Take a little bit of a little bit of a discussion on healthcare reform. Very aware that this is a shifting um, um, landscape, um, and by the time we're done with this lecture, things likely will have changed. But I do want to touch a little bit on uh, the role of the pandemic and some changes that actually happened in the state of Wisconsin. I also want to talk about some pragmatic stuff, like okay, what do you do once you're done with your school? How do you roll that out? And then how do you write your um, your credentials properly? And then I want to give a shout out, a big shout out to one of her own because uh, she will not. And that is Dr. Amy Ketchum. Um, and I shared her article with you and she's probably going to kill me right now at this spot. Uh, is uh, accomplished a lot in this very uh, chaotic time. And I'm very proud uh, to say that uh, she is published she is published in an international uh, journal called Orthopedic Nursing. It'll be coming out uh, this uh, April, uh, March, April, April, May, sorry, April, May uh, edition. And she's published an article on the partnership across transitions to improve outcomes in the lower extremity total joint population. Uh, so um, she is a giant whose shoulders uh, we stand on. And guess what? She walks amongst us. Uh, so I'm very proud to call her. Uh, part of my call her friend and call of her coworker and call her colleague. Uh, I did misspeak though. It's March and April of, of 2020. So as you are listening to this, she is already published. I did connect the article um, to your uh, Moodle page. And I just want you to know that while our initials are AK, you may think it means Amy Ketchum. It really means ass kicking. So shout out to you, Amy. I'm proud of you. It's hard work. I know that. So let's move on a little bit into the role of the uh, advanced practice nurse as consultant and mentor. Uh, 
uh, and coach because a lot of what nursing does is indeed coaching, nursing at the bedside in the traditional RN role. And we sh- you need to understand that this actually is going to continue as you uh, move forward in your role as an uh, advanced practice nurse. Um, in this new role, though, there are some changes. Uh, there are some very specific uh, things that need to, that uh, Medicare, who is also CMS, has um, specified as criteria for which a advanced practice provider can bill in consultative uh, practice. Uh, and specifically, um, consultation service is in a whole different category by itself, other than evaluation and management, because it provided uh, whose opinion and advice regarding evalu- uh, evaluation or management is requested by another provider. Within the cohort of your class, I can think right away uh, that a psych mental health um, APNP would actually be uh, in a consultative role uh, from you, uh, from a provider in either the family practice role or the adult general or acute care tract, because uh, you're asking them for their opinion in a very specific uh, way. Um, the qualified APRN can perform this consultative service within the scope and pract- of practice and licensure of their individual state. Um, there are uh, applicable um, uh, collaboration and general supervision rules, again, defined by state, so you should know where you're going to be practicing. Uh, there has to be an order or a request for such consultation, uh, and this probably now may shed a little light on when you're calling a consult in the inpatient stage, uh, inpatient uh, setting for acute care, and the um, person you're talking to says, well, will you put an order in, and it induces an inner eye roll. There's actually a mechanical reason for that now, and that in order for that consult to be acknowledged by CMS and Medicare, uh, there has to be a uh, formal request, and that would be the doctor's order for that. Uh, The consultant, the person performing the consult, uh, is uh, responsible for uh, a written report of their findings and recommendations. These are the traditional consult notes. The interval in which those results need to be resulted is actually dependent on the individual uh, hospital in the acute care setting and the individual practice in the outpatient world. Uh, in the um, uh, the medical bylaws, uh, usually for an emergent consult is within eight hours for a uh, standard consult is within 24 hours that that note needs to be there. Now it may be a work in progress uh, and it could be shared in Epic if you're familiar with that system as a um, as an incomplete note or you could put a disclaimer in there, um, definitive treatment plan uh, to be developed pending diagnostics if you were waiting on a CAT scan or something like that. But you do wanna drop that note and leave a footprint in there so that everyone knows that you are involved in the care. Uh, so that's the pretty easiest um, kind of way to define a consultant role. Uh, there is a valuation that goes along with that. Uh, um, and I think we as, an indiv- as a practice, as a growing practice, need to own some of that process. And we need to talk about, um, are we providing credible quality uh, consultative uh, information? Are we um, able to respond in a timely and an effective manner? Are we evidence in our consult, uh, the data, you know, the, the evidence-based practice that we um, are charged with uh, providing? Um, are there large issues when we do a reflection on our own consult that we overlooked or didn't see? So are we giving a good quality uh, consult in response for that? Um, 
And what is the delay in that sort of uh, consultative uh, triage? If there are delays over 24 hours in the inpatient setting, that actually uh, can be brought up at a medical executive committee. Uh, we know some of the delays are volume driven. Certainly that is an issue in the psych mental health uh, realm where uh, there just plain aren't enough of us uh, APMPs and psychiatrists uh, who are able to access and provide service for a large number of people in a, an overly neglected uh, population. So there, there does need to be an evaluation of um, how this goes. Uh, there are obstacles. Sometimes it's lack of education uh, regarding the models. Sometimes it's lack of manpower. Sometimes it's uh, people aren't aware. Uh, so when it comes to the talk about building a consultative process, uh, I want you guys to remember the AAA approach. Are you affable? Meaning when they call you, do you answer your phone? Are you able? Do you provide a quality uh, consult and give clear direction and guidelines to the person asking for your assistance? And are you able? And is that ability that is an internal uh, thing that you need to actually address? You know, are you providing quality, evidence-based, consultative um, guidance uh, when requested? Are you keeping up on the guidelines? Are you keeping up on the new uh, trends, the new patterns, the, the new um, information that's being generated? And that's actually quite a big deal when it comes to consultative and are you uh, sharing that information uh, in your consult so that the provider who requested the assistance has access to that information? So this is really just an expansion of the nurse role. Nurses have always been in the consultative uh, role. They've always been at the bedside helping uh, with the patient to understand. They've always been there explaining to the other providers what they see and what the, they perceive the patient is needing. Uh, and what they believe would be a, an effective strategy. This is just an enhanced version of that with some medical legal twists. And that those medical legal twists are detailed uh, quite well in, your, um, uh, the, in the chapter for this week's reading in Hamburg and Hansen's Advanced Practice Nursing um, by Tracy and O'Grady. Uh, so the role is mentor then. It, within a professional realm, what does that really mean? Um, do you... And I guess the best way for me to distill this is just really saying, um, when you reach the top, turn around and help the one behind you. To quote, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? Tim, Tim someone who's married to Faith Hill. Tim McGraw, that's it. The song where he's, when you make it to the top, you turn around and help the one behind you. So when it comes to mentoring, you have a, you are charged with the responsibility of not only mentoring new APNs around you, um, in the form of being a preceptor or being a clinical site or being an ad hoc reviewer or helping someone um, with an interview perhaps for an, another uh, fledgling graduate student who is looking to pick the brain of an APN, uh, much like you all did uh, this semester. It's also in terms of mentoring um, bedside nurses so that they can elevate their bedside uh, practice and level. It's also being good stewards and good role models out in the community uh, so that people understand just what a fine, finely trained uh, advanced practice nurse is able to accomplish. Um, it's also understanding, you know, and advocating for changes in scope of practice and and uh, advocating for practice at the highest level uh, which you, it is available. 
Uh, I also want to talk about the role of coach. Uh, you are all coaches, right? Uh, um, don't get whistles, don't get fancy uh, field jackets to wear, and don't have our name on the back of our, our our lab coats, but maybe we should. Maybe that would be something. But we really are there not only to coach the patient, to coach the nursing staff, coach the other disciplines, but also to coach each other. And don't ever forget that. I mean, to me, I am foreverly grateful to uh, people who took the ability to help me uh, uh, tease out something different that I didn't realize I had in my practice and I didn't have in my person. And that is really the role of coaching. Uh, so just don't forget that. I do want to talk um, about credentialing because the goal, goal, the end game of all this is for you guys to be done, right? Um, and I know it feels like it's far off. I know it feels a little bit like a colonoscopy without... Um, without sedation or colon prep. <laughs> Sorry for that mental vision, for that visual image I just planted in your brain. But I know this is hard. And honestly, guys, it should be arduous. This should be difficult work because you are going to be doing important work. So it does need to be difficult. Um, but I also uh, want you to understand that, uh, that once you get through all this, there's a couple mechanical things that actually uh, have to happen. And one is... When you graduate, you're actually going to get a letter um, that says that you completed all the hours that you needed to have. You have to have that letter before you can sit and before you can register and thereby sit for your certification exam. There are two certifying bodies for uh, advanced practice nurses. One is the American Nurses um, Credentialing Center, that's ANCC. Uh, that's an offshoot of the ANA. And then the other one is the AANP, which is American Association of Nurse uh, Practitioners. Back in the day, uh, it used to be that the ANCC was the preferred credential. That is not the uh, current state of uh, the affairs right now. Um, both of them are, are equitable from a board certification. I've taken both the family practice test in AANP and in ANCC. I took them both um, because I... When I first graduated, um, there was a little bit of a scam. You know, if I, I was fearful, I was going to fail my first exam. And then once you, if you fail your exam, you're eligible to reseed it, but it takes three months to, to reapply and take that. So I didn't want to not be gainfully employed. So I registered for both of them. I don't know that you need to do that, but I did. And here's a little insight into my experience with that. I took the ANCC first and I passed. Uh, it was one of those you knew before you left exam. So you go to a testing center, they fingerprint you, uh, you go in there, you sweat a lot, you have some abdominal pain and a lot of mental fatigue, and then you pass the test. Um, but since I had already paid the money for the AANP exam and it was non-refundable and I am at the core very frugal, I took that test also knowing it was a no harm, no fail exam. There are differences, honestly. The AN See, the ANCC exam was a little bit more um, legislatively focused, uh, a little bit more uh, felt like NCLEX exams were the best right answer. Um, it did touch on every bit of pathology I felt I should have known. Uh, the AANP did not have as much medical legal or um, kind of the business legislative aspects in there and was really more focused, uh, the version of the exam I took was more focused on case studies and pathology. Both of them are good. Both of them are difficult. I did pass them both, which was somewhat of a relief because I felt that it actually did kind of uh, certify that metric. I have maintained my ANCC certification, 
only because I also have maintained my CCRN, and those both come from the uh, same parent organization, which is the American Nurses Association. So neither one of them is right. I will say uh, when I graduated, the ANCC was the preferred one, but once again, that is not the current state of uh, what we uh, are dealing with. So once you graduate, once you pass your board certification, it's all about bleeding money from that point forward. If you're going to be in a position where you need to prescribe controlled substances, then you have to have a uh, Drug Enforcement Agency endorsement or the DEA certificate. Um, that is, uh, I think the last time we renewed it was $800. Uh, you take a test. Uh, it's really about um, controlled substances and, and how you can prescribe them. And then uh, you are able to... Um, you get your certificate. That DEA number then is tied to your prescriptive or your NPI, which is your national provider uh, identifier uh, number. And so that pharmacies uh, can actually verify your DEA certificate and your number uh, when you write uh, prescriptions for controlled substances. Uh, you also do have to uh, have what's called an NPI. That's a national provider identifier. That's a national database where people are identified by numbers. You will get asked for that number uh, periodically to put on uh, forms for durable medical equipment to um, verify. When you have scripts called in, um, they may ask for your MPI. Uh, certain, um, well, actually all of the insurance companies that you want to get uh, credential that will ask for your MPI. And that is a, a national database, so that is a nationally publicly searchable database that's going to have information about your practice metrics, nothing specific, nothing HIPAA non-compliant. But uh, if you have ever had any sanctions, uh, if you have any sort of um, hiccup or freckle in your professional uh, practice, and then depending on the state level, you also need to take um, the prescriber test. And in the state of Wisconsin, uh, the because remember we we still operate under the license of the RN and our prescriber certificate is what actually allows us to function in the role of the APN. So the uh, prescriber certificate is an online test, uh, open book, uh, where you just take the test and answer the questions. If I recall correctly, I thought it was like ten questions. It was super easy maybe fifty bucks. You do it once and as long as you don't let your um certification expire, you don't have to do it again. Uh, so that is good for uh, the state of Wisconsin only. Uh, I actually am uh, licensed in Illinois also because I live near the border and I had to take a separate prescriber test and file for a separate advanced practice nurse uh, prescriber uh, certification. But my DEA is a national number as my NPI is a national number. So that follows me along uh, that way. So those are kind of the mechanics of once you graduate. It feels like you're bleeding money. You are. Um, the upside is, is that once you're gainfully employed, uh, usually those costs are part of your contractual negotiations. For example, my DEA is covered by my employer. My uh, licensure comes out of my uh, um, professional development money. So I could either pay for it out of pocket and I would get the deduction on my taxes or um, my, I can get reimbursed from my employer. If you do that, just remember you do not get the deduction. Uh, your malpractice is covered by your employer. Caveat on that though, I also carry my own malpractice uh, rider, uh, up to $3 million occurrence. It was real easy, it rolled into our umbrella policy at the farm, uh, and it's because uh, I, I have enhanced um, 
liability, uh, though my primary malpractice is covered by my employer. And I probably, even when I retire in 10 or 15 years or so, I will still continue that for a couple of years to make sure that any any potential lawsuits uh, I are mitigated uh, should um, I need to do that. And I really hope I don't need to do that. So that kind of ha- is kind of the mechanics of that. Um, interesting though, because remember back to the beginning of this class when we started talking about um, the, the LACE things, the licensure, the accreditation, the certification, the education. One of the things that was kind of talked about was full practice authority. And what are we going to have that? And that is uh, the true ability in Wisconsin to function as uh, independent uh, providers. Um, several states, and you guys all saw that uh, that information on that, several states actually do have full practice authority. Um, Wisconsin is not. Uh, it does require collaborative agreements uh, for admission. However, um, you may or may not have seen uh, in um, the news with all this pandemic talk that there was an emergency order, number 16, that was actually released on uh, March 13, 2020. And it really, um, actually March 12, 2020, when Governor Evers declared a public health emergency and directed all agencies to support the efforts to respond to and contain COVID-19 in Wisconsin. And what that what uh, emergency order number 16 was, uh, that it recognized the demand uh, to have the help of as many skilled health co- providers as possible. It uh, opened the doors for interstate reciprocity, meaning that healthcare providers um, and facilities uh, are now able to cross borders uh, without license. Uh, and it gives them a temporary, without uh, having a, a permanent license in that facility, uh, and that the temporary license refers to any visiting locum tenens, temporary or similar non-permanent license or credential. Uh, any provider with valid and current license by a number by another state was allowed to practice under that license within the, within the scope of that license uh, in the in the state of Wisconsin, so long as the following conditions were met: that the practice is necessary for an identified healthcare facility to ensure continued and safe delivery of healthcare services. The healthcare provider was not currently under investigation and did not have any restrictions or limitations on their license. Um, the uh, identified uh, healthcare facility needs reasonably prevented in-state credentialing uh, in the advanced practice. And what they mean like, for that, normally, like when I switched positions from the medical college to Ascension, it took three months for them to verify uh, all my information. So this is a way to expedite that. Um, uh, they also needed to notify the department uh, DSPS within five days of the healthcare provider practicing at its facility uh, related to this section. Also, um, uh, allowed the Office of the uh, Commission of Insurance uh, to work with healthcare providers to increase liability uh, insurance coverage. Uh, temporary licenses were granted uh, that would be uh, faster within 30 days, faster than what they currently are. Um, this would be really more applicable to the new grads, whether they're uh, a registered nurse or an advanced practice nurse. Uh, there was some, uh, it opened up the um, door for more telemedicine. And I'm sure if you've even gone on social media for 10 seconds uh, in this pandemic, you've seen a ton of telemedicine um, uh, advertisements and uh, targeted ads. It also, tandem to this, uh, Medicare for the first time decided that they would actually reimburse uh, telemedicine, which is uh, interesting because they had not. 
There were some specific orders within this emergency decree 16 specific to physician's assistance. You guys can read those. I did include that uh, as a resource uh, for this week. Um, but it, what it really did, uh, as it uh, pertains to advanced practice nurses, is it uh, allowed us to have full practice authority. And that's kind of a big deal uh, because we've been fighting Wisconsin for a while. Now, the real trick is going to be, what do we do at the end of this? Because uh, this is kind of our moment to shine uh, legislatively, leg legally. Um, we need to kind of have this, take this trial run of full practice authority and make it so. So uh, make sure that your voice is heard. Make sure that uh, we are um, competent and credible in the care that we provide, that we continue to provide evidence-based um, uh, medicine uh, and be able to provide data and resources for why we uh, make the decisions uh, that we do. Uh, so that was kind of a big news, and that's kind of a plus and upside that came from um, uh, this pandemic. So um, that emergency decree is actually a resource that's on your, um, on your Moodle page, as is the, uh, the uh, published article from Dr. Askick and Amy Ketchum. Ketchum. <laughs> I might as well keep saying it because she's going to kill me when she sees me. Um, come a couple more kind of pragmatic things is how do you write your credentials, right? I mean, because that can be a source of confusion and it is a sticking point. It's important when you write papers that your credentials are correct. It's important out in the public that you're, when you're presenting that your credentials are correct. Uh, and it's really very simple uh, if you, in my mind, uh, how to do this. Uh, you have your name, right? You start with your name. And then in my mind, out from your name are things that cannot be taken away from you. So, um, let me give you an example of that here. Um, when you put your, um, you have your name and then you have your credentials, your, your licensure, right? So, oh my goodness. Apologize, guys. I'm just kind of, kind of flopping around here. You have your name, you have your uh, licensure, which is um, RN, because that's what we work as, as APRNs, you're an RN. And then you have your education. For me, it would be a doctorate. For you currently right now, it would be your, your BSN. If you are a BSN and plus have a master's in some other discipline, those would go on there. So it might be RN, BSN, MHA. Uh, then you have your certifications that go after that. Uh, for it would be a uh, for me it would be FNP dash BC that's board certified uh, and then CCRN because I've maintained my nurse uh, certification uh, as a critical care nurse. So you start with your name, your licensure, education because you can never get rid of education. Once you've learned it, you can't unlearn it, and then certifications which can be lost um, due to not making. Um, uh, and not making um, uh, continuing education credits, not making um, certain deadlines, doing something silly that way. Uh, so make sure that your credentials are always uh, uh, written correctly. If you're a master's and MSN student or you're a candidate when it comes to your poster, 
you would then would put MSN parentheses little c for candidate and then uh, the other parentheses on the other side so that everyone knows looking at your work that you are an MSN candidate. Uh, and this would be for like a poster presentation. Uh, I think that's really kind of where I am at um, with this discussion. I thought it w I thought it'd only be about a half hour and sure enough, uh, that's what it is. Uh, I do wanna congratulate you all on how far you have come. I wanna congratulate you all on how um, impressed I am with your ability to navigate these very challenging times. Uh, make sure you give yourself some grace. Uh, you will not be uh, receiving a uh, course evaluation uh, from Alverno uh, an official course evaluation. However, I will be sending out to my sections uh, a form to give me some feedback because uh, this was our first attempt at this. Uh, to kick it up, uh, my first attempt uh, doing an online class, I have a whole list, four pages, no lie, of things I will do differently next time. But I do want to know from the end user, from the student's perspective, uh, how I could have made this better. Uh, to top it off, it was a... Uh, first attempt uh, during a pandemic, which got, honestly, this is my first pandemic. I don't know about you guys. Uh, make sure you take a moment to give yourself credit for everything that you've accomplished. Um, uh, if your your coursework should all be due um, by the end of this two-week interval, if you need an extension, uh, please uh, uh, really uh, reach out to me. The latest we can go is the 26th because I do need to get things graded, collated, and submitted um, back on campus. But as always, reach out to me and uh, congratulations, guys. It's an honor to be working with you.